Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. We started this podcast right before the COVID stay-at-home order, so we've had to move our recordings remotely and separately. We apologize for the sound quality, but we're doing our part to keep everybody safe. We hope you enjoy today's topics and continue to listen. Today we are with Suzanne Jockis, and we have five different listeners going to ask one or two questions. Suzanne is a intuitive psychic. She's written a book. She is a public speaker. And we are very happy that she's with us today. And Melissa, why don't you start our people? Okay, well, we're going to have our first um, guest on, and that will be Rhonda. Rhonda, are you there with us? You can just unmute yourself. Hi, I'm here. (laughs) Hi. Hi, Suzanne. (laughs) Well, this is fun. This is really fun. So Rhonda, um, what I do, typically if you came for a reading, um, I do psychometry. So I hold an object and I see um, pictures and tell you what I see. And then I open it to your questions. Um, Since you're not here and we're doing a little brief thing, what I'm going to do is ask you your uh, birthday and you get to ask me one question. Okay. All right. So what's your birthday? And what is your question today, Rhonda? So I recently had a lot of changes in my life, and I'm wondering if they are the right changes. Okay. Um, Did one of these changes involve a move? Yes. Okay, because I could see a move kind of being a pivotal point, and... um, and I also get, I, I, I'm wondering if you're putting your resume out there, if, there, if, you're, if you're maybe discouraged or disgruntled with work and you're looking for something else. Um, sometimes I'll see that if you've been recruited, uh, but there's a shift wanting to take place um, around work for you as well. Okay. So does that make sense? It totally does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not in the change of actual job. Uh-huh. Uh, but change in location okay so within what you're already doing yes it'll yeah. stay with what i'm doing it's just location change yeah so that's um you know the, the two seem to go hand in hand so the move the job change seem to go hand in hand um all right well can you be a little more specific is there like something really specific about this that you're that you're curious about because I think you're it looks like you, you <laughs> I call it the cosmic course correction it looks like you're, you're experiencing a course correction and it's really for your I call it the highest good but um it's it's leading you right where you need to be <laughs> okay yeah um I recently moved to Hood River okay with um, my nine-month relationship. Okay. So that person lived in Hood River? Uh-huh. Oh, I, okay. Well, it, it looked like it's taking you where you're supposed to be. So um, I, I, I think you're right on. Okay. Okay. Um, can you give me his first name? I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, re- you don't have to reveal anything if, you know, if this is going on the air, but, um, okay. Does he have his own business? No. He's not self-employed. 
No. Okay. Huh. I see him doing some kind of contract work. So, um, can I, can I tell you what he does? Yeah. Okay. He is a, um, wind turbine technician manager. Okay. So he's in charge. Yes. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was seeing is he, whatever he does, he's the boss. He's in charge. That usually looks like, um, self-employment to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think he's a good guy. I, you know, one day at a time right now <laughs> for all of us, <laughs> but uh, it feels like this change was necessary. Excellent. <laughs> so good luck to you, honey. Thank you so much. You're really welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Our next uh, guest is going to be Eric. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Hey, my birthday is first. Uh-huh. And my question for you is around my career. Um, okay. I made 10 years ago a very substantial change in my career and have been looking for my forever place after I made that change. And I'm curious if you think, based on what you're seeing, that I'm in my forever place. <laughs> um, let me ask you, so are you... Um... The symbol is your voice creates your pathway. So how you speak yourself to the world is what's opening doors for you. What that tells me is be bold with your voice. Be bold with what it is you want and need. Um, people are listening. When that symbol shows up, it's because people are listening. Do you do any teaching, training, or presenting? I do a lot of presenting. Okay, there you go. So I want to say you're right. You're, this has got to be a happy place for you um, if you get to do a lot of presenting. So um, your voice opens doors for you. Um, so there's something pulling you south. Do you have an event? Well, of course, we're all stuck at home right now. But um, th there could be something taking you into the south, like, um, well, it's a big picture, but it could be California, Arizona, it could be Georgia, I, I don't know, but something's wanting to take you south, and it, and it looks like for work, um, and, and I'm not quite sure if that's about a move, or if it's just something you're, you're going to go do uh, as part of your job. Okay, that actually, that, that do, does, uh, doesn't ring a bell, but it does give me an idea um, okay. that I'm going to follow up on. Here's the deal, Eric. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a mind reader. I see pictures and I, I experience the pictures and my clients experience them as clues, things to watch for, things to pay attention to. And um, I'm told they're pretty helpful in, in the big picture. Like you just said, um, it's something I'll, I'll pursue you know, or look into or whatever, however that, that resonated with you it did it resonated um, with me that i i should make a phone call to someone and just see how perfect <laughs> because you never it happen it, i'm you cut out i didn't hear you i said that i could i'll make a phone call to someone uh, down south that i do i am close with that okay I'm with that uh you never know there might be a reason that i you're might be a reason for me to make to make that phone call i just make the connection you know that's what's important it's a door yeah. you make the connection um you don't do anything. I have to ask this because I saw you doing, you know, um, having your voice being your pathway. You don't do anything with um, music or performing or anything like that, do you? Well, not professionally, no. 
but I do, okay. you know, I do, I do love to sing and, and uh, the people, okay. we know that. So. Okay. Cause uh, I'd, I'd urge you with this, with this cycle that I'm seeing around you with your voice, I'd urge you to, um, you know, maybe take some voice lessons or guitar lessons or something, something. I love it. Okay. Okay. Cause thank I think you. it would serve you. I think it would be an advantage. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it, Suzanne. You're welcome. Thank you. Suzanne, it's always wonderful listening to you go through these things because I, I can see some of the connections because I know some of these people, but um, it's always just amazing to hear you say these things. So hats off to you. Um, so who's, I, sorry. Oh, that was Melissa, sorry. I'm, I'm going to introduce the next person. Oh, there you are. I see you. <laughs> um, so we're going to have the next guest is going to be Paige. Uh-huh. You want to take yourself off mute and go ahead and ask your question? You bet, of course. Or, or, or Hi, give her your, your birth date first. Yeah, of course. Hi, Suzanne. This is hey, Paige. Paige. Hi. Um, my birthday is... And I am going to ask about my current relationship. I'm wondering in the pictures that you see and how your your guides work yeah. for you. Um, if you can see the potential outcome of the of my current relationship. Well, all I'm going to say as you're talking, the picture that I'm being shown is you're standing firm. And what that tells me is someone might be attempting to persuade you against your own good judgment. I'll see this if we feel like we're being pushed or bullied or um, it's like take a firm stand. Does that make sense? Yeah, I tend to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, if the relationship is, is, is true, people accept us just the way we are. And I can see you going, mm, I've, got a, I've got to set a boundary here. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, a lot of times a boundary shows up if we've, if we've had some broken trust. Mm -hmm. um, is there a trust issue going on with your relationship? Not in my current relationship. There's one from uh, the past. Okay. So we bring, you know, we bring our stuff in uh, to our new relationships. Yep. So, um, you know, boundaries and trust kind of go hand in hand. Um, can you give me this person's first name? Okay. Um well, I don't know. He seems to be a pretty mellow guy. Um, okay, so he doesn't have—he oh, doesn't have an alcohol or addiction problem, does he? No. He—he he really needs to stay away from alcohol. Okay. I don't know if that's been an issue for him in the past, but as soon as you said his name, that that showed up. So uh, it's possible it's been something in the past. How long have you guys been together? We've been together seven years. Okay, two years ago, it shifted a little bit. And um, I can see, um, it's almost like two years ago, in the fifth year of this relationship, things moved, it changed, you may have even separated for a moment. Um, and where it is now kind of started about two years ago. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I don't know the timing exactly. But yeah, it could be around that time frame. Okay, so you're, you're building trust in this relationship. Um, but he, he feels like a pretty mellow guy. He is. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just have to be true to yourself. 
and he has to be true to himself. That's what relationship, a good relationship is all about. Yeah, I think so. It's more, I think he is. I think he is. Good. Good. And, you know, sometimes these pictures can be not being at you, but you doing some. So don't, I guess what I want to say is don't push him. You know, the picture was maybe you're feeling pushed or bullied somehow, but, you know, he comes off kind of mellow. So maybe he's feeling like you've pushed him a little. Um, yeah, I don't know that he would feel that way. I think it's a little bit more that, uh, as you kind of described the first Okay, because it it can go both ways. And, um, so I hope that's helped a little bit. I, I kind of hang in there with him for a while. Yeah, I think I will. I, it's just kind of more one of those things of like, Hey, where are we going? And there, there are some trust issues from a previous relationship. And your, your point about, you know, you tend to hold firm or, He's not mm-hmm. pushing me or persuading me, but I do tend to have kind of a line um, that, that, you know, I put up and it's like, Hey, yeah. And so maybe it's time to work. Me. Maybe it's time to work on um, softening some of those boundaries even. And so that yeah, trust, thanks, Suzanne, <laughs> so that trust can come in, you know, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. you go, kiddo. Well, uh-huh. thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Okay, well, that was a good one. Um, Mary, you will be our next guest. Do you want to take yourself off mute and introduce yourself and give her your birthday? Sure. Hello, Suzanne. How are you? Hi, Mary. I'm good. My birthday is March 28th, 1962. And Mine's March 29th, but it's I'm way older than you. <laughs> well, we're great Aries together. Well, so was, uh, so was Paige. So. <laughs> It's an Aries kind of day. Right. Um, what right. is your question, Mary? My question is about my physical and emotional health, like love, career, family. Yeah, that's a huge question. So. <laughs> You'd have to come in for all of that. Um, but um, how old are you? I'm 58. 58, okay. Um, one of the things that shows up right away, so are you getting enough um, exercise? The reason I ask is your circulatory feels a little slow to me. Um, anything going on there? Well, I am an orange theory addict. And with this quarantine, I have been very not working out. And my husband has. So you, I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you said. You're an sure. orange. I, I go to Orange Theory, which is an exercise oh. kind of gym. Oh, oh, oh. okay. And I'm a, I'm a little bit of an addict to, to okay. it. And I've not been successful about doing their app workout. Okay. And I've been a little lazy the last five weeks of quarantine. Okay, so that might be why it's showing up. You're off your schedule. Yeah. Uh, but it does look like, you, you know, you can. That's a healthy addiction, <laughs> and and I think it keeps your circulatory well balanced. So, um, is are there? And I'm just this. I'm not seeing this, but are, is there um, any kind of uh, health issues in your family? Or I'm sorry, heart issues. My yes, in my family there is heart yeah. issues. My yeah. heart. So um, the, the circulatory shows up typically because it's a caution around the heart. 
Um, so if there's heart disease in your family, um, it's just a little bit of a warning, you know, keep mm-hmm. your, keep your body in good shape. Um, so do you work part-time? I'm on a contract full-time. Okay. So a contract ends and then you, then you have another one? Uh, working on that. Okay. Cause I could see you shifting, um, work, but it, it didn't look like you changed, um, your work. It just shifted. Like you're going, it's one of the symbols I see around people who work part-time. Um, and maybe it's going part-time for, for some reason. Well, my contract ends June 5th. And so I might have the summer off unless I find a new job with a new company. Or Mm -hmm. if I go back to working a contract um, because I've already committed to my contracting hours, they make you take a break. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, don't be surprised if something part-time doesn't come along, um, maybe even while you're off this summer, if that happens. Okay. Um, And then what what else did you ask? Oh, family, love, you know. (laughs) Oh, that big question. Career. (laughs) life. (laughs) Uh Well, you know, you pretty much, you tend to meet the goals you set. And, um, but I also get a tiredness, like you're, you're you're tired in your spirit. And so um, are you taking care of your spiritual needs? Um, And, you know, I don't mean going to church necessarily, but do you meditate? Do you fill your, do you re-nurture your soul? Um, That kind of thing. You just feel tired in your spirit. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that can that can lead to depression. Sometimes that is a symbol for depression. So um, again, you know, get back to your exercise app. <laughs> that lifts that lifts you a lot. Yes. I will take the advice of my husband and you to get back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you, Mary. Uh, let's see. How about Karen? Okay, Karen. Karen, why don't you introduce yourself and give her your birthday? Okay, you can hear me? Yep. Okay. Hi, Suzanne. I'm Karen. Hi, Karen. Huh? My, my birthday is... Okay. 19, do you need the year? Oh, I'll ask you how old you are. <laughs> it's 1963, so I, I'm what 56, something like that. Yeah, so I don't do math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. When I'm in my intuition brain, I don't. I don't. Years don't mean anything. You got to tell me your age. Anyway, uh, Karen, what's your question? Um, am I on track to fulfill my soul's purpose, my mission for this lifetime? That's a huge question. I know. Um, you know, and I think I think we all are to some degree. Karen, do you do any teaching? <laughs> um, not currently. I am a retired elementary school teacher. Yeah. So the teacher really showed up around you when you said your soul's purpose. I, I saw teacher. So um, if you're retired, that's fine. But what what else do you want to teach? You know, okay. is there some is there something yes. that you're missing yes. by yes by not being a teacher? So you may come up with uh, your own gig somehow as a teacher. Um, maybe doing workshops or something like that. Well, more specifically, I want to reach the younger children about their spirituality because I know there that go. they're coming in differently. I'm just not finding the avenue to do that, what it looks like. 
Well, you know, what I keep hearing are the arts. Are you an art, an art teacher by any chance or music teacher? No, but I am part of an art group. There you go. So um, I think speaking uh, the road in, when you said you don't know the road in, yeah. what I heard was the arts. So maybe teaching an art class for six-year-olds or something, you know, <laughs> that would engage them in dialogue. I think I'm too old for that. But. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, more specifically, let me ask you about writing children's books. Okay. Well, that's part of the arts. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, certainly fits into that picture. Um, maybe even have a child illustrate them for you. That would be kind of cool. Mm, um, but yeah, no, that's perfect. And with the children's book, you can go around and give little talks and stuff. Oh, definitely. But engaging the children in the arts is what I heard. Okay. And so a children's book certainly fits that. But I take it a step further and um, have, have see, see see what child might want to do some illustrate or have several children illustrate it. Oh yeah, that'd be great. It would be totally cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, okay. I just I feel like the world needs that right now, so I'm trying to find my way into that. Well, I think what the world needs, what our children need, is a, is a restoration of a sense of wonder, um, yes. sense of wonder, a sense of awe. Um, you know, the mystery, the magic, um, technology has ripped that off. You're right. And so getting them back to nature, getting them involved in uh, the magic of the real world, not the, you know, internet world, um, is, is kind of cool. Um, if you can do that in some way. Okay. Okay, that, that sounds about right. I'm just looking for confirmation on that. Oh, um, yeah. No, what I heard was teacher and then of, of the art, the arts came in. And that's your, your um, that's your avenue. That's your um, a way of reaching. And so it's certainly writing a children's book, it fits that. So go for it. Okay, perfect. Great. Thank you yeah. so much. You're so welcome. Okay. All right. Well, that was how are we doing? I think we're doing well. I think we caught everybody. Yay. Yeah, that was great. Okay. Suzanne, Suzanne thank you. Say, or Leslie? What now? Do you have any follow-up? I wanted to have Suzanne explain to people how they can get in touch with her if they want their own full reading. Okay. Um, I do read. I've been doing readings out of my home office uh, in Westland. Uh, for 28 years now. And uh, the way you can get a hold of me is uh, on my uh, website, suzannejockus.com. That's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-J-A-U-C-H-I-U-S.com. Or you can call me at 503-655-2631. A reading takes 45 minutes to an hour. You're welcome to tape it. Um, and usually people walk away from a, a, a session with me feeling pretty validated and uh, maybe with a few clues to watch for. I think both um, Melissa and I can agree to that. We Good. both have had readings with you. Yay. And I love when you call your house the crooked house. Yes. When, you, you what? I love when you call your house the crooked house. My little crooked house. Uh -huh. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, and that reminds me, I, I have written a book, um, it's a memoir, and it's called You Know Your Way Home, 
and people read it and they they relate. What surprised me about um, my readers is I've had so many tell me I've written their story too. That is a surprise because you know I thought I was the only one you know carrying this stuff. So um, it's a great read. It's a fast read. It's been adapted to screenplay, and they're uh, pitching it to TV for a series right now. So fingers crossed on that. Super exciting. Well, we're super excited. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to Melissa, say, go ahead. Again, we're so appreciative that you come on and you've agreed to come on um, as a reoccurring guest for us. This, this is fun. No, I'll, I'll, and I'll see you guys uh, first Monday of, of next month, too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I was going to say, we get to see you the first Monday of every month. Well, we'll actually record that day. So if any listeners uh-huh. would like to ask you a question, they can reach out to us um, on our podcast um, or our website. Instagram. Um, Salon Sleuth. Yeah. Sal- Salon Sleuth, right? Yep. And don't right. forget the E comes before the U because I have <laughs> Um, but yeah this was just really wonderful and we so appreciate your time and great and it was fun thanks thanks so much for having me again it's always nice I think for people to feel validated in their lives absolutely if you'd like to be on our show and ask Suzanne a question or two about your career your love life or family please contact us on our website at www.salonsleuths.com we take calls the first Monday of the month for a full appointment with Suzanne go to her website thank you our next story is about Colleen Stan who has the nickname the girl in the box We hope by hearing the story, you will learn two things. Don't accept rides from strangers, and please follow your gut. So there was a man named Cameron Hooker, who was born in California on November 5th, 1953. And he was shy, he was awkward, and he was tall. He had no really good friends, but he had a very active imagination. And he worked at a lumber mill. What he, he read a lot, but what he read were, was pornographic magazines. And these weren't just normal pornographic ones. These ones were like dark, hideous, inhumane with torture and abuse. (laughs) So this is kind of what he was into, right? So then he finally meets this girl named Janice. She was 19 or sorry, he was 19 and she was shy. She never had much of an attention, especially from boys. And um, so she was actually very excited when he started Um, paying attention to her. And so they started hanging out. And then one day um, he says, hey, can I take you to the woods and suspend you from a tree and beat you? And she was like, what? Um, Okay. And so they go to the woods and he does this, right? And it was horrible. But um, he wasn't even, he didn't even feel bad afterwards. He was actually very thankful and loving towards her, which then fed into what she needed and wanted from somebody, even though it came from this really horrible act, right? So eventually, it's so ridiculous. They got married in 1975, and they had a rental home in Red Bluff. And his need for the bondage and pain, it never stopped. It actually just got worse and worse and worse. And she didn't want to really a part of it. So what she thought was, um, and she knew that he had always wanted like a silent slave. So she thought if I help him kidnap somebody, he can do that to her and just have a relationship with me. So they go out and they found a girl, um, 
let's see, in, in January 1976, they offered a ride to a girl from Chico, California. And instead of taking her to the apartment, they took her to a secluded spot where he tied her up, he gagged her, and he put her head inside of this very custom box that was insulated, and it locked. And, um, but it wasn't vented, so it was hard to breathe in there. And um, he took her to the house. And so imagine like a travel toothbrush, how you have those caps that go on your, yeah. just the head of your toothbrush. That's what the box was like. And um, so they took her to the house, and... Like he's beating the crap out of her and she's screaming and he's like, she's not getting it. Like I need her to be quiet. So he cuts her vocal cords <gasps> and, um, she still is like a, she's a fighter. She wasn't about to give up. And, um, so he ended up killing her because he just knew that she was uncontrollable. So that night they took her up to the mountains and they buried her in a shallow grave. And her name was confirmed to be Marek Elizabeth Spanhack. And she still is missing. But they know that she had died. They know that um, they had confessed to that. Uh, then on May 19th, 1977, a 20-year-old by the name of Colleen Stan left her home in Eugene, Oregon. And back in the 70s, and I don't know, my dad picked up hitchhikers but I think hitchhiking was a common way of getting around back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, her dad, even according to the movie, her dad um, offered to give her money and she's like, no, no, it's no big deal. I'll good. I'll get rides down there. So she spent the day hitchhiking down to Northern California. It was one of, I think it was, a, um, she was going to surprise one of her friends. So she gets down there and she gets to Red Bluff area. And so she's almost there. And she um, passes up a few rides, kind of sketchy people. And then here comes Cameron Hooker, who's 23 at the time, with his wife. And they have an eight-month-old daughter. He's, she's like, okay, you know, this seems all right. You know, I'll get a ride. At one point, they stop for gas. And she's in the restroom. Um, she's, you know, she gets out to while they're getting gas. And so she goes to the restroom. And she had this moment of anxiety and fear and then she was like, what am I, like, they're fine. Like, what am I freaking out about? So she returns back to the car and they had given her a candy bar. And she's oh, like, she oh, cool. That, that was a reaction. Follow your gut. <laughs> right. Totally. So she gets back in the car and, you know, they gave her a candy bar. How nice, you know, and she jumps back in. And from the looks of it, it's like a hatchback car. Like she, they had to put the seat forward for her to get out. But she's in the back. And um, they said, hey, um, on the way to your friend's house, I know that you want to get there, but there's these ice caves ahead. Would it be okay if we just stopped really quick and had a quick look? And she really wanted to get to her friend's house, but she didn't want to appear rude. So she said, okay, you know, whatever, as long as we can make it quick. They pull off the side of the road. Um, Janice and Colleen start to hike, and Cameron runs up behind her and puts a knife to her neck and forces her back into the car where the head box was waiting. So he, he puts her in that box, ties her up, and then puts a, um, her own sleeping bag on top of her until it got dark. So they just hung out until it was dark. And then um, they had stopped and got fast food because she said, I could smell it from inside the box. What? So they're sitting, they're sitting there eating while she's all tied up in the back seat. They have this baby and they're waiting for it to be dark so that they can take her back home. So they take her back to the house and it's to be, be avoided at night, you know, by the neighbors, they took her down to the basement. He would, he hung her up, um, from the rafters in the basement and would give her just enough, um, something to stand on her, on her tippy toes, just to let her wrist relax a little bit. 
and then he would rip it away from her. So she basically wouldn't ever have enough relaxed, right? He was just giving her enough. And then she was placed back into the head box and her arms were tied up and she was placed into a three foot by three foot crate. So she's not able to lay down and she's got this big old heavy thing on her head. So she's all in an awkward position. And at one point she kicks the side of the box and Cameron comes running down and he's mad because he wants to be able to control her. She needs to be the silent victim. So he puts a strap around her chest that is so tight that she only can concentrate on her breathing because anything extra, she would be out of oxygen, right? So she couldn't like try to kick her way out of there because it would be too much for her. How does he so know she, all these things? It is really bad. Um, that was the first night. And then after that, um, oh, he, they said throughout the night he would come down and like visit her and touch her throughout the night because he was like, it was like a kid with a new toy for Christmas. He just kept coming back and couldn't believe that he had actually got one, right? Um, then the next day she was given like a piece of bread to eat and she wouldn't eat. She had no appetite. And then he made her use the bedpan in front of him and she was like mortified, right? Yeah. And then um, the next day, she still refused to eat. She had no appetite at all. And so he beat her. And then he beat her so bad, she was unconscious. And then that way, um, she had learned her lesson the hard way that um, she has to eat or this is what's going to happen. And then um, after that first night, she was basically laid out on a table in the head box, her legs apart, her arms apart, naked, no blankets, no nothing. That's how she spent her nights. And she knew the days because she could hear the neighbor's car in the morning. And at night is when she would get beaten. beaten. So that's how she like knew how many days that she was there. Oh she would count them by that. Did she get out? Is that how she's able to tell this story? Oh, my gosh. Okay, just keep waiting. So after three months of this, oh. she smelled so bad, they agreed that she needed a bath. So it wasn't even a normal bath. He put her in this really weird contraption to get her up to the bathtub because he wanted to make sure she wasn't going to run. Was he having sex with her? No. That's the other part I forgot to mention is um, Janice, the wife, was um, said that was not allowed. He could use her for the torture and beating, but all of the other stuff was for his wife. Oh. Right. Okay. So he was he was just beating the crap out of her and doing things um, that were horrible, as you can imagine, everywhere to her. Yeah. So after three months, she needed a bath, but he started the bath with dunking her head underwater, like almost mm. till she would be passed out and then bringing her head back up and almost drowning her. Her hair was in such a mess that um, Janice, the wife, was given the job of brushing it for her. And it was so bad. She just kind of gave up and just started cutting it. So she had this really horrible haircut. And at one point, Janice got a job in the Silicon Valley area where she had to be gone for five days a week. And um, which was kind of a break for Janice, because even though she wasn't being tortured, like she, you know, because as soon as Colleen came into the picture, she was no longer being beaten. Okay, I have but a hard he, time feeling sorry yeah. for Colleen and, you know, her, her job away from what, what a crazy scenario. Yeah. Um, she could have gotten so, her help. She could have let her go free. She chose. Oh, no, totally. But the part of her being there was she was no longer being beaten. So she needed Colleen to be there. Otherwise, she was the one that was going to have that pain. How about just leave him? 
No, totally. So just keep going. Like, so Colleen was required. So the, the woman in the capture was Colleen. She was required to call Cameron master and Janice ma'am. No, Janice. And okay. it, yeah. Right. So Janice was the mom. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So husband and wife is Cameron and Janice. Colleen is the one that is kidnapped. Okay. And so she is now required to call the master and Janice. So what had happened was, um, Cameron, the kidnapper tells Colleen, the one in captivity, that he is part of this thing called the company. And the company, um, they are in charge of slaves. They have these um, silent slaves. It was so convincing. And he made her sign a contract that she was a silent slave. So every once in a while, like if she were to go outside, she would look at the neighbor and he'd be like, you probably, you know, he has his own slave. But if he doesn't think that you're and being submissive to me, he might want you for himself. <gasps> so she didn't know who to, who was in on it or what. He, she was told that um, the company um, watches over each slave and their family. So if she were to run away, her family would be murdered. And so he totally manipulated her into the fact that she was so scared to leave because of this company. She didn't know who to trust. He told her that Janice, his wife, used to be a slave, and now it is his slave wife. You know, and that's why Janice is being, you know, um, submissive as well, is because she is also a slave. So... It's just horrible. He did really horrible, horrible things to her. And so it excites him to see people in pain and hurting. Oh yeah. Oh, and here's the other thing. He um he had to have their eyes covered. They couldn't be um uh he didn't like to see their eyes. So a lot of times he would beat the crap out of her and then like have sex with his wife in the room. <gasps> yeah. While she's unconscious. Like, uh, yeah, he, he did mention that no slave has ever escaped and survived. So she thought, okay, if I escape, I'm going to be murdered. Basically she just stayed like she was the perfect silent victim for him. According to the movie, um, and I couldn't find this anywhere online, but um, the landlord of that house kept wanting to get into the house to look at the um, furnace. So he knew he had to move her eventually. So they moved out to a secluded trailer home. Okay. Of course, at night. And then what happened was they made it like a, basically the size of a coffin and it was under her, their bed. So at night or any, uh, when she wasn't in the house, she was in that thing under their bed. And it's really sad. And I don't know if this is true or if they just did this to like for heart wrenching parts. But part of the movie is she's out of the box and she looks over and she sees like this three year old. And she's like, is that so and so? I don't remember her name. The baby that was in the car. She's like, how long have I been here? Because she had no idea. It was very sad. But this is what's really messed up. At one point, Cameron, the kidnapper, takes Colleen, the one in captivity, back to her parents' house for a visit around the three-year mark. Yeah. But because she's part of the um, company, you know, he's held that over to her. Like, they, I've had to get these special uh, these special arrangements to go. The company is going to be watching us the whole time. They go in. And if you Google it, there's a picture of her and him at her parents' house. But her parents said they didn't say a word because they thought she was part of some crazy cult. Oh. And if they had said anything, that they might lose her forever. So they all try to play it cool. They just thought they were these really poor hippies. They had no idea that she was actually not there on her own free will. And being kept in a box. And exactly. Under a bed. She was there for seven years. Oh. Yeah. God. 
So what had happened was Cameron now wants her as a um, second slave wife, which means he probably just wants to have sex with her. Mm -hmm. And Janice is not okay with this. And she's actually, she feels so terrible because she thinks that he wants her more than his own wife. Mm -hmm. And so Janice becomes very jealous. And so what they do is she tells Colleen, the one in captivity, about the company and how it's not real and how the whole thing's made up. And the two of them left together, left on their own separate ways. And Janice had always said, I will not say anything. I'm just going to leave. And it wasn't until um, Janice, the wife, calls the police and tells on him. And that's how it all came to be. The wife then was the person... um, who testified against her husband, who was given full immunity, where he got 104 years in prison. Um, now, she, now had he done this to other people then, other than his wife? The first girl, he killed her, remember? Okay. The ones he um, cut the vocal cords. Um, and so she tried to show them where the body was, but they weren't able to recover it. But she remembered her name, and they know that she's missing. But it wasn't that. until... You know, she's the one that freed her. And they, they try to, you know, they try to make it that she was also a victim. She very much let all of this stuff happen. She still lives in California. They both live in California. They do not talk to each other. Colleen has been married. She now has two children. You can see her picture also on Google. She talks about um, the house that they lived in. There's a couple of videos on YouTube that show her in front of this house and kind of what she had gone through after seven years was freed. So they, she's been nicknamed the girl in the box. Do not hitchhike. No hitchhiking. Well, okay. I know back then that's what people did. Um, but go with your gut. She knew when she was at that gas station, something was weird and she should have just left at that moment. Like Colleen just happened to be the one that learned very quickly to be quiet. And, you know, he did, um, you know, threaten her with cutting her vocal cords. So she just knew right away to be quiet. And some of the interviews, it says that she just learned to just go somewhere else in her mind. She's like, you had to, like there would be days that she would be in the box and not be able to let go out. Like, well, and don't you just, feel like as a parent, you can see where parents want to believe that their child is still alive, but there also have to be times where you go, yeah, but this many years of this uh, potential damage, she would never be the same anyways. There is some form of you that would go, okay, I just hope it was quick and she didn't know what happened. You know? Right. So like Colleen, is she a, a full person now? Like, yeah. was she able to get past that? And, or would it have been better just to not be here? Like, I would hope that she has gotten over it and that she has two beautiful children and she protects them like crazy. You know, I really right. hope that for her. Um, but but I don't know. It doesn't protect them so much that it doesn't allow them to have some normal life either. Like, How could that not affect you the rest exactly. of your life? Exactly. And how, I mean, that guy obviously was never going to be a good person. No way. You know, and that's why I think when young people start looking at magazines like that, they kind of think that's the norm. And, or they get so um, used to seeing that kind of stuff that it takes more to become, you know, aroused or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
So, yeah, no, the whole story was super crazy. Yeah. The whole thing was stupid. But I do believe the only thing I got out of that was like, you can't really love without loss. You can't really, you know, you have to have yeah. the opposite to have balance in the world. And if we were all like going around, you know, in this perfect world, we wouldn't be able to appreciate that. Or do you just know love from experiencing love? What, what, I, yeah, I don't know. That. Let's, yeah. Let's just play that out and go, okay, here's a child who's never really had anything bad happen. They've always known love from their parents, you know, had two parents, you know, whatever. Does that mean they're not going to know when they find their mate what love is? I don't know. Like, or would they start taking that for granted? Or is it just seeing other people that maybe don't show love properly or don't get love that they can go, yeah, I know that's not right. I, I guess I'm going to hope that for my kids because um, they've had it, I think, pretty good. They know that their parents still love each other after 25 years. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to the fact that just having seen that, that when they're in relationships that maybe aren't healthy or aren't true love, aren't good for them, they're going to recognize that and go, yeah, no, that's, that's not good love. Well, I think the things that traumatize us as children are the things that are what we're drawn to as an adult. So if you never had those things growing up, like if you always had that really strong bond between you and your husband and your kids grew up in that, that's what's going to feel comfortable for them, right? Right. If like you had this turmoil as a child, you're kind of drawn to that as an adult. So your kids will never be drawn to that, you know, dysfunction because they've never had that. You know, I've heard that before and I don't know that I necessarily buy that because I had um, not a great relationship with my dad and mainly because he had a relationship with alcohol. But um, I was very specific and very clear when I was dating that I didn't want to marry my dad. I didn't want to marry a man that could potentially, um, I could have the same relationship I had with my dad. So well, I then, have, but you're smart in that because I think a lot of people either will identify that and learn from that or fall right back into it. Yeah. I, that's what I'm going to hope that that's the case. Yeah. Well, and I think because you had gone through that thing, you know, the opposite, you know what you wanted. Yeah. Where some people that aren't as strong as you might fall right back into it. And had you not, you know, found Eric, or if you were in the same, you, you weren't brought up with a really strong mother, maybe you would be drawn to somebody like your father. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I well, think your I, kids are going to be just fine. I hope so. But I do know that you're right. People typically sort of try to, um, fix the things that happened to them as a child. So if it's a bad relationship with a dad, they're trying to like fix their partner. Their partner kind of becomes their relationship with their dad. Um, and they do repeat that stuff. That's like studies have shown that that's kind of how people roll with this stuff. But I just hope maybe with the intention that you put behind it, um, it doesn't always have to end up that way. And that I hope my kids don't have to make a bunch of mistakes just to figure out what good love is, you know? I want to share with you one of my go-to pieces of clothing during this stay-at-home order. 
I have literally been living 24-7 in shorts or leggings and, of course, my favorite sports bra. I've been wearing this sports bra since it was created, but I wanted to share with our listeners and give you a discount code. I'm so excited. I only wear handful bras, and that's handful.com because they are so comfortable and easy to wear. They also flatter, not flatten, if you know what I mean. They come in adorable colors and patterns, so you can wear them with anything. Through the summer, I'm always in a handful. My new favorite design of theirs is the double down bra, but I have all the styles and the leggings, and I love their leggings. They're wonderful. So I wanted to share with you, go to handful.com, and use the code Salon Sleuths. It's spelled S-A-L-O-N-S-L-E-U-T-H-S. You're going to get 25% off any one item on their entire site, including sale items. So I encourage you, check it out. You will literally not be sorry. The adjustable bra, for those of you who may be long torsoed or long or short, whatever, you can adjust it to where you fit. Love them, love them, love them. Get yourself one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.